0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to a very special episode of the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel, and a very special guest today that I'm super excited about. David, I'm gonna let you take it away. Okay, thanks, Nathan. So our guest today
1: is Paris Limpropolis, And in the world of copywriting that we talk about in this podcast, it's not about beautiful words or clever um, puns, double entendres, it's all about results. And Paris has results that has made him a legend. Among the world's copywriters, he's helped businesses by doubling their sales, doubling them again and again, and sometimes doubling them a fourth time, which means 16-fold growth. He's able to write sales letters that outperform the sales letters of other top copywriters, and he wins more than 80% of the time. And if you want to learn from him, other than today, get in line. There's a four-year wait to be even considered to get into his Copy Cup program. So we're so fortunate to have him on this special edition of the Copywriters Podcast. And listen, whenever Paris Limpropolis teaches, it's like you're taking a master class in copywriting. Today he's going to go over a promotion he wrote that performed extremely well in the most competitive area, arena of copy, in the most competitive arena in copywriting. So Paris, welcome and thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, David. Thank you for the kind words, and I'm happy to be here. Okay, so just before we get started, a reminder for our listeners, copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So Paris, uh, what you said you would do is go over a promotion you wrote that I don't even know the numbers or the the history, um, but uh, you do. So could you
2: just tell us about it? Sure. Um, so you were talking about operating in highly competitive environments. Yeah. And there is a company that's pretty well known among our people, but not so much well known about among the general public called Bottom Line Publishing. Uh, They used to be called Boardroom because their first product was a a newsletter for business owners called Boardroom Reports. But -hmm. then they morphed into a consumer company and they were still called Boardroom until I don't know, a couple of years ago where... And they changed it to Bottom Line Inc. So they have a newsletter, Bottom Line Personal. They have one, Bottom Line Health. And um, it's very difficult to sell these things, especially today. Now you have the Internet when information is free. So you're you're selling information. It's tough. But even before the Internet, even uh, 100 years ago, Robert Collier one of the great pioneers in advertising and also personal development, he had a quote, he said, the hardest thing in the world to sell is a book. Now, why would that be? Well, number of reasons. The easiest thing to sell is a magic pill, like John mm-hmm. Carlton always talks about, right? Yeah. You make it before you go to bed, you wake up in the morning, and you're handsomer, you've lost 50 pounds, you got a million dollars in your bank account, right? That's what people such want. such a good salesman. I, where can I get one of those? How much does it yeah, cost? Exactly, right? So, you know, that's the ideal. Well, a book is the opposite of that. First of all, you have to read the book, right? Mm-hmm. Second of all, you have to actually do what the book tells you to do. Right. So that's a hard sell. Number three is that the margins are very tight. You know, you're, you're selling a $20, $30, $40 book. There's not a whole lot of margin there. Whereas if you're selling a $5,000 uh, seminar, uh, you know, we don't even do DVDs anymore. It's all downloadable now. So the product cost is zero. Yeah. <laughs> the margin on the product is $5,000. Um, so it's you. the math is a lot more forgiving when you sell something like that when you're selling a $20 book, or in this case, a $39 newsletter. So Robert Collier said the hardest thing in the world to sell is a book. Well, there's something harder to sell, a newsletter. (laughs) And the reason is, at least with the book, the solution to your problem is contained within the pages of that book, between the two covers. Uh, better, you're getting the solution in dribs and drabs over the course of the next year. I might not really find out what I need for eight months. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. So now the, uh, the benefit of the newsletters is continuity. Whereas a book usually isn't unless you're doing a yearbook type of product where they renew every year mm-hmm. But with a newsletter they're renewing. But again, it's only once a year supplements. They got to buy a new bottle every month. Newsletter, you got to wait a year for that renewal income. So it's a very tough business to be in, and a business I would avoid people to go into unless they have deep pockets and have all kinds of sophisticated database marketing capabilities and all that kind of stuff.
1: You mean as a business owner, not necessarily as a a copywriter?
2: As a copywriter, it could be a very lucrative niche because these newsletter publishers will pay through the nose because they know that nothing but the best copy will work for them. And I'll tell you a fact, uh, boardroom bottom line, whatever you want to call them. They were founded in 1971, I believe by Marty Edelston. Mm-hmm. During that time, they hired a lot of famous copywriters, uh, everything from like Madison Avenue, people who you would read about in DM news, you know, to like people who are famous more in our world. And out of everybody they've ever hired, there's only been maybe 15 people who've ever been able to get a control for them.
1: And, and for our listeners who don't know, a control is a piece like the one we're going to look at today that no one else can get a better response out of a competing thing. A control is like the reigning piece of copy, the, 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 it's, it's like a control in a scientific experiment. Yeah.
2: Right. So about, I'm going to guess about 10, 12 years ago, something like that, Evie Randegger, who was the um, creative director there, retired, um, and then they hired a replacement for her. Um, and this person came from the traditional direct response advertising agency side and so he came in and his first thing was like, oh, I know all the greatest copywriters. I'm going to hire this one and that one. I'm not going to name any names, but they're uh-huh. people who are famous. Like, again, if you open the pages of direct magazine, I don't even know if it's still around or DM news or one of those, you you know, or, or Denny Hatch's magazine, Denny, it, Denny Hatch. If you look at million dollar mailings, you, those people, I'm yeah. going to hire them. And they came in and went up in the control and underperformed the control by 70, 80 percent. Right? Okay. Well <laughs> so, whole different league when you talk about people like David Deutsch or Clayton Makepeace or Eric Batwell, Arthur Johnson, uh Jim Punkry, Gary Benzavanga, of course, Gene Schwartz. They were the only writers, them and like, you know, eight or nine other people, uh Uh, We're we're the only writers to ever get controls for this. Well,
1: let let me ask you a question. I know that, um, of course, Agora's got the big flashing neon sign in the marketplace. And really, that's what they sell. Everybody wants to do it. I mean, from your experience, because you do mentor copywriters in your Copy Cubs program. uh, What does it take? Uh, I mean, obviously, you can't just be a quote unquote good copywriter to do this. There's something else to it,
2: right? Well, you have to have chops that are at a at a very high level. Um, so and then, depending on which companies you work for, you may have a special strength. Uh, like if you're, go- if you're writing for bottom line, and de- during our heyday, it was bottom line, boardroom was one company, Rodale Press was another one, huge mailer. Um, and uh, there were a few others publishers. And the biggest skill set you needed to succeed with those folks was you had to be a great bullet writer.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So there's a whole skill to being a bullet writer. There's terrific writers who can't write bullets for save their life. And then there's great bullet writers who can't string three sentences together. (laughs) So it's kind of a funny skill set down. We could talk about a little bit as we go through this promotion we're going to go through today. So with Agora, you don't, need to be able to write bullets because it's not bullet-driven copy. With agora, it's a big the person who's really creative who comes up with the big idea, the sales hook, right? Mm-hmm. Um so Agora sells investment newsletters on the front end for like fifty nine dollars or whatever. And then on the back end they'll sell you like a two thousand dollar trading service where you get you know, texted or emailed the daily trade for that day that make like a gazillion dollars overnight, which is what people want to do. And then they'll sell you another trading service on top of that. Or maybe they'll get you a bundle where they give you a quote unquote lifetime, you know, membership and you get all the stuff. So they have much more forgiving economics than a company like boardroom does or bottom line does. But of course, um, that's why they're one of the reasons why they can be a billion dollar <laughs> year company where Bardroom never got above like 120 or whatever they were at their height. Yeah. So, um, you know, they are, uh, the 800 pound gorilla in their, in their space. They hire the best of the best copywriters. They have the best copy chiefs and they actually train writers in house. If, if you're a copywriter and there's no better training ground um you know a lot of people say oh i don't want to get a job but you might want to look at getting a job if you could get a job with somebody like agora not mm-hmm. a bad way to launch your career you can always go freelance later um so the big idea and we could talk a little bit about that too you know be, um but i i'm i'm assuming your re, uh, listeners are somewhat familiar to what agora's done and some of the Oh
1: yeah, we we had Joe Shreifer on for a couple of podcasts and um we've talked about the big idea and about financial copywriting. We're we're going to have uh, one of your cubs who I think came to you after he started with Agora Mike Morgan on in uh in the coming weeks. So um but, a yeah, great, people know. great guy and a and a great writer, yeah. He is. i Agree. Okay, well, you want to open up your piece and and just sure. tell us a little yeah. bit about The history, how you you got the assignment, what what came before it, how this did, all that.
2: So I'm assuming your folks are going to have a PDF, right? Yeah, we're going to put a link to it on the the page. Right, Nathan? Okay. So as far as how I got the assignment and the history of how it did and all that, um, you know, they would hire me regularly to write for them. And uh, they said, hey, you want to do bottom line health? We're going up. You, we have a control by um, one of I'm, I'm one of the great writers. I mean, somebody who, whenever I read his copy, I'm like in awe, and I'm like, "Wow, I would have. I wish I would have thought of that." Right? <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's like really stupid that I would even agree to go up against him, because why do that? Why not just like Gary Benzavenga said? Why not go up against the? the class wimp and steal his lunch money. Well, <laughs> you got to go up against the, you know, it's like Ali Frazier, like Arthur and I went up against each other so many times, Arthur Johnson. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it was stupid. Why were we doing that? Well, it's like Arthur, Ali uh, Frazier beat the crap out of each other <laughs> in the ring. But anyway, because you,
1: it's a scientific thing, right? You want to know who has the bigger pen.
2: I guess, I guess. It's, <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe it's part masochist or whatever. Maybe. But anyway, in this particular uh, instance, there was a A-list, you know, writer, guy who makes over a million dollars a year, and he had the control. And they said, um, they put me up against it. And I ended up beating it like by a crazy, crazy margin. Like it was over 50%. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it just totally...
1: Like, and for, in other words, if, if his, for every dollar, his thing brought in, yours brought in a dollar 50 or something yes, like that.
2: that. Or or it, it, may other more, it may have been double. I don't remember. I'd have to go look cause it was so long ago. But You've done
1: stuff like that,
2: right? More yeah, than once. Yeah. You know, you have occasionally, yeah, you could do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gary Halbert, when he said you could get rich off one sales letter, he wasn't kidding. It's, yeah. it's doable. It doesn't happen all the time. It, See, I look at it as um if you're at the plate and you're taking your swings, right? You're mm-hmm. going to foul off a bunch of pitches, you just want to keep in the game. Every once in a while, you know, you're going to hit a single, a double, sometimes a triple, and every once in a while you're going to hit a grand slam, right? Yep. And so it's the Pareto principle. Probably 80% of my income has come from 20% of the things I've written, but even the other 80% they provide me with a pretty damn good living. So
1: and, and I, I want to sort of take Nathan's role here and, and point something out that's obvious to me and you that may not be obvious to everyone else. In order to do what you just said, you got to get
2: up to the plate a lot and swing a lot. Yeah. And sometimes you strike out, too. Sometimes you strike out. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this was in 2003. And if you look at the PDF, um, there's a headline, How Doctors Stay Well While Treating Sick People All Day and the subhead immunity boosting secret you can use. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, open loop. But first, uh, (laughs) I want to tell you the preparation that goes in before you write a single word. Okay. So you have to understand your audience and not just understand the niche you're in, in this particular case, the health niche, but to understand the peculiarities and biases of that particular customer list. So yes, we're all in the health niche, but bottom line buyers are a little different from new market health buyers, are a little different from Soundview publication buyers, um, because the copywriters they hire, the lists they go out to, and over time, it just each kind of customer file takes on its own personality. So you want to understand that personality and you want to understand, ask yourself, like, what are the top three psychographic characteristics of this particular list? And the way you find that out is you look at the history of all the controls that have been written for this product mm-hmm. and you also find out, well, who, which lists does it do best to? which mailing lists. Now in the old days it was postal lists, but today it could be, you know, the, the people who you email to the other list owners, you know, it could be like a JV swaps or affiliates or whatever. Right. 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 And where, where, um, where else they might advertise. Um, you know, so like, uh, are you doing placements in Newsmax? Is that doing really well for you? Well, that tells you something. Newsmax is a right wing, you know, kind of, publication and so your your audience probably skews right you know mm-hmm. anyway the thing about this audience bottom lines audience if you had to say what are the three top peculiarities about them number one is they're paranoid and they think everybody's out to screw them okay and you can see it in in the um in the previous promotions that they did over the years you know uh, so everything was about secrets and what your bank doesn't want you to know, what your insurance company doesn't want you to know. There was a famous thing that Eric Betwell wrote called 12 Smiling Swindlers. Okay. Wow. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of the characteristics of this audience. Yep. A second characteristic of this audience is they want to know an angle, a secret, a, a loophole, a way to get over. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know that because you look at some of the products they sold. The Book of Secrets, right? The um, Tax Loopholes was a big uh, book they did. And I, I had the control for that one for a while. So that, that's another thing to know about this audience, right? Yep. The third thing to know about this audience is they like to brag about how smart they are and how they know shit that other people don't know, right? Okay. The way I describe it is like picture Cliff Clavin from Cheers if he was a prepper. (laughs) Now you're getting a good idea of who you're writing to. That's
1: good. I love it. All
2: right. So i I spoke earlier about how if you write for some of these publishing companies, that your big skill set is going to be bullets. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is. And what I do every time I write for one of these things is I ask for two years' worth of back issues, and I ask for every premium that they are currently offering. Premium meaning the free gift you get with subscription, which in any time you're selling a newsletter, the free gifts are going to be special reports. Yeah. And so you go through the existing content, the special reports they're currently offering, plus two years worth of back issues and you go page by page and you write as many bullets as you can for that so okay. if we look in the guts of this thing i'm scrolling down to page uh what is it 4 and there's bullets on there um remarkable 2 second cure for fatigue just press these two spots on your leg and foot, and feel your energy come surging back. Mm-hmm. How to tell if your body is filled with nasty toxins? Simple test you can do at home using a glass of water, and so on. Right, and then if you go to the, um, there's a centerfold spread here. It's between pages eight and nine. That's all bullets. Okay, so you take yeah. your bullets and you pick the what best ones, and then those become um, the new premiums that you're going to offer for your control. Yeah, you could go with the same premiums at the other guy as the other guy, and you could m- maybe write better bullets than the other guy did. But when you're going up against the guy that I went up against, the chances of my bullets being that much better than his are pretty damn slim. So I've got to bring something else to the, to the game rather than just that, right? And one yeah. of the things is, well, you can create your own premiums. Find the best stuff and the best bullets and create your own set of special reports. So we did um, report number one, healing secrets. Doctors don't tell you again, goes right to the heart of the personality who we're marketing to. Second special report was um, 21st century health breakthroughs. Third one was, um, where the heck is it? Right there, Healing,
1: uh, How to Beat the Healthcare uh, Dangers and Ripoffs.
2: Great. What page is that on? Eight. Page eight. How to Beat Healthcare Dangers and Ripoffs. Again, goes right to the heart of this audience. They think everybody's trying to rip them off. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So. I took all the bullets and basically said, "Okay, I've got to categorize them, find commonalities between them, and use that to create a bullet." Bullet. So a bunch of the bullets were about cutting-edge new stuff. You put that in the 21st century health breakthroughs report. A bunch of the stuff was other healing things, but not cutting-edge. And then we called that "healing secrets doctors don't tell you."
1: Yeah. Let me and let me let me stop you for a second yeah. because. Yeah, I mean what you're describing is new to me. And you know, you and I have talked before. I've studied a lot of things. This this is this is great stuff. I, I do wanna um challenge something you said about the Agora thing and and big ideas versus this being bullets. It's true that bullets are the way you get there, but each one of these premiums, these special reports, is a mini big idea that comes from a combination of the bullets and your knowledge of the list, wouldn't wouldn't you agree?
2: I would say to an extent, yeah. It's not to the level of, you know, Mike Palmer's end of America thing. But okay. yeah, I guess you could say that it's it's a, a big or at least a semi-big idea. <laughs> it is a theme, it is a hook, right? Yeah. Yeah. Any premium you offer has to have a hook. It has to have a USP, right? Unique selling proposition. If you have a report on arthritis, you can't just call it arthritis cures because well, the audience has been pitched 800 other million books about arthritis cures, right? How is your arthritis cure book different than, than, the, than the other ones they've been offered? Arthritis right? cures, big pharma doesn't want you to know about. Right. So again, that's Maybe. a very boardroom approach. At, here in 2018, that's been done a lot. So every year the bar gets raised higher because they've heard it all before. So they've, you have to find the 101st way to sell something that's been sold 100 times before, right? Yep. So we have these three reports, and then if you scroll to the bottom, you find out that, guess what? In addition to these three, there's a bonus report. That it, yeah, but only if you order within the next 11 days, right? Um, and why do I do 11 days instead of 10 days? I just picked it out of the air. And that's one of my signature things. Um, And so people who see 11 days, they may say, oh, I wonder if Paris wrote this. So, oh, that's uh, interesting. It's it's doctor's favorite home remedies. And
1: that sort of closes the circle as to where you started right at the beginning of the piece.
2: Right. And why did I do doctor's favorite home remedies? Because it's a perennial thing that works. Back in the 1980s, 90s, Rodale Press had a book called The Doctor's Book of Home Remedies. So it was sort of this almost contradiction because they're home remedies, but it's a doctor who's approving them. So you get the best of both worlds, right? And so that thing sold, I don't even know how many. It was like, I think over 10 million copies. Okay. It Jeez. was they wrote the controls for that were written by Jim Punkry and Gene Schwartz, and sold a shit ton of books. And then they did a sequel, Doctors' <laughs> <laughs> Remedies Part Two, right? Because <laughs> uh-huh. so successful. So you know you keep these things in your in your data bank of of you know what's worked in the past. Some things are 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 fads. Other things are perennial things that keep coming back. Right? Yeah. So between these four premiums, we've pretty much covered everything these folks want. Okay? Yeah. Now, uh, I said that I start out by writing bullets. Sometimes a bullet will become the main headline to the piece, and that's what happened here. There was an article in one of their newsletters that said how doctors stay well while there's sickness all around. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Who? that's kind of an interesting concept. So I changed it to how doctors stay well while treating sick people all day. Immunity boosting secret you can use. And it started as a bullet. And then that bullet became the headline. And I read the article and the article was kind of weak. It just said wash your hands, which come on, everybody's heard that yeah. a million times. And so I said, Well, there's other things you can do to uh there's other things you can do to prevent a cold, right? Take herbs. So why don't I write about that? And write about the ones people haven't heard of. Don't write about echinacea, because everybody's heard of that. Mm-hmm. Right? And so We'll make the article be about that, but what's the psychology of this audience? They're kind of contrarian, and they think everybody's out to screw them. Either they're out to screw them by design, or they're out to screw them because they're not out to screw them, but they're incompetent fools, right? Yeah. So that became sort of the hook here. So let me read you the opening copy. Please do The headline, How Doctors Stay Well While Treating Sick People All Day, Immunity Boosting Secret You Can Use. And then the copy opens, Ever Wonder How Doctors Stay Well While Treating Sick People All Day? And you're like, oh, yeah, how do they? You know what? It's one of those, it's almost like an observational comedian who points out stuff that that you kind of never thought about before, but when they say it, you go, yeah, that's so funny. That's true. Why is that, right? Yeah. So it's no accident that there is a bunch of copywriters who are former comics like our buddy Kevin Rogers.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah. It's the same way of thinking. You see things. You you observe the world around you. Right. So ever wonder how doctors stay well while treating sick people all day? Me, too. Okay, so now you've bonded with them because it's me, too. You're like them. Right. Yeah. To find the answer, I called one of the leading infectious disease specialists in the country. Oh, cool. This is bottom line. They're the ones who have all the access to the experts, and they're on my side, and they're always calling out. He told me the reason doctors don't get sick is that they're constantly washing their hands. He added that frequent hand washing is the single best way for anyone to stay healthy. Okay, so now I've come perilously perilously close to losing the reader because I told him something trite that he's already heard before. So very quickly, right in the next sentence, I say, well, I'd heard all this before. I told him that what he said about doctors made a lot of sense, except for one thing, colon, it's not true. Question, uh, exclamation point. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now I've got the reader back. Oh, it's not true. Cool. That's like goes with their contrarian mindset, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then it says a recent study found that only one out of four doctors consistently wash their hands between patients. Another study found that doctors almost never wash their stethoscopes, parentheses, out of 150 stethoscopes tested, comma, one hundred and thirty three were found to harbor staph bacteria, exclamation point, close parentheses. So now I'm telling them kind of mind blowing stuff, right? Yeah, it's yeah. surprising. And it kind of, whoa, really? And so when you tell people novel things, it creates a dopamine dump in their brain. So. When. They get the dopamine. They want more dopamine, so they keep reading. So you can make your copy literally addictive. Wow! Wow! This
1: all—all all new stuff. Never heard it before. And I'm sure that that's true for me. I'm 97.832% sure for our, our readers.
2: True. 97.832%.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's three significant
2: digits. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> so the next paragraph and still another study found that over 2 million Americans a year catch illnesses from the hospitals or doctor's office. Okay. So we're kind of agitating them now, right? We're telling them new stuff. We're also kind of pissing them off a little bit, Yep. which brings us back to our original question. Colon. If doctors are so riddled with germs that they're getting their own patients sick, then how on earth are they keeping themselves healthy? I mean, that's like a Gordian knot. There's like, un-
1: unless they're monster aliens, I mean, how could they possibly not get sick, right?
2: Right. And more importantly, what can you and I do to keep ourselves healthy? So bring it back to them as a benefit to yeah, them. Right? Yeah, and yeah, Lumping you and me together because he's on your side, or actually she. This is the, the byline here says, by Rebecca Shannon House, editor-in-chief. Uh-huh. Um, now, usually uh, the byline for most of the health stuff will be I write will be the actual doctor who writes the newsletter, but in this case, there's not a doctor writing. It's a newsletter. It's a newsletter by committee. They curate all these articles by their experts. So I made the editor in chief be the, uh, the person sending you this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I finally uncovered the answer and I think it's going to surprise the heck out of you. What am I doing there, David?
1: You're delivering on the impossible promise.
2: But that particular sentence, I uncovered the answer, and I think it's going to surprise the heck out of you. Why didn't I just tell them the answer right
1: there? Oh, you but, want to want pre—you're you're pre-framing it so that they'll feel surprised when they see it. That's right. So i pre-framing more
2: it. Yep. More, and dopamine. more dopamine. More dopamine. And it's an open loop, right? Yes. You no. Know, Joe Sugarman calls them seeds of curiosity. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But that's not all. And, you know, stuff like that, right? Or one of my favorites is what they found next surprised them. Well, now you got to read it to find what they found next, right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Surprise the heck out of you. You see, you see, is a transitional phrase, so it wouldn't be a jarring transition. Yep. When it comes to their own health, many doctors take herbs, folk remedies, and other quote unquote unproven cures that are frowned upon by the medical establishment. Right? So. Mm-hmm. The idea I got this from, see, I've spoken before about how creativity very often is taking other existing things that are out in the ether and combining. Yeah. Right? And um, there was a direct mail piece that Healthy Directions had for one of their supplements. And the headline was, The Pill Doctors Take When No One's Looking.
1: I love that.
2: And I got that in my mailbox a whole bunch of times. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use that. Right? I'm yeah. in, and so you take that and you combine it with this other thing here, and we put them together and we get this new thing. So you see, when it comes to their own health, they take herbs, folk remedies, and other cures that are frowned upon by the mental establishment. They use these remedies to keep from catching infections. They use them to lower their cholesterol and protect their heart. They use them to get rid of aches, pains, and stiffness. And they use them to prevent strokes, Alzheimer's, and cancer. Brilliant. So I am using a rhetorical technique in that litany uh, paragraph. You go ahead, you were gonna say something. Litany. A litany of things. <clears throat> and each sentence begins with what? They. They use. They use, yeah. So it's like, it's uh repetition. It's like the Martin Luther King speech. I have a dream, right? Mm-hmm. I have a dream that, uh, you know, children will be able to do this. I have a dream that no one will be judged by their color. I have a dream that I don't remember what his words were, but it was very deliberate that he kept opening each sentence with, I, have I,
1: I think the rhetorical technique is called litany.
2: Is it called litany? Okay. Maybe. maybe. All right. Well, you probably know better than I do. So, okay, there we go. I learned something today. So, you open each sentence what they use, and usually, um, I do three of them. You know the rule of threes. Mm-hmm. In this case, I did four. So the, the fourth one's like a punchline almost. Yeah, da, da da boom. Right. So yeah. here's something else interesting that I've done here. Mm-hmm. i I've used a technique that Gene Schwartz calls gradualization. Mm. Mm -hmm. So when you read that headline, how doctors stay well while treating sick people all day, what do you think it's going to be about?
1: How I don't catch a cold from a patient who has has a cold.
2: Right. So I start out with that, pretty basic. But look what I've just done here. I've segued from cold (laughs) to cancer, (laughs) strokes, Alzheimer's, Everything that's really good. That's, that's
1: really good. And, you know, there's another thing I was thinking about with that paragraph, which is at the bottom of page one for people who are following along. Um, you're doing something that I saw Jay Abraham once do. I think Gary Howard probably wrote the letter for him, um, where at the beginning of the letter to Sell Your Marketing Genius at Work, he has these five bulleted paragraphs where he covers everything from you know, if you have a, a one-person business in Chinatown, to if you run a multinational corporation, he's bracketing small niches of the market so that he's really covering. It's like the Dutch boy covering the
2: world with paint. That's you know, right. and you did that right there. Halbert was Halbert is. It was great at that, and he's who I learned that technique from. I got a um, the the way I first subscribed to his newsletter was I got a sales letter in the mail that said, uh, how to get people to line up and beg you to take their money. (laughs) And in that sales letter, there was a thing that is, is the Gary Hubbard letter for you? Well, it might be for you if you blank. And then it was like, if you're a salesperson who wants to get more leads, if you're a, um, um, whatever it was, marketing consultant who wants to give better advice to their client, if you're a business owner, if you own a factory that makes widgets, if you're a this, right? And so mm-hmm. <clears throat> the illusion is that it's only for a select few people. It's only for you if you this, 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 and this, right? Yeah. But the reality is, like you just pointed out, Garf, is that the this, this, and this covers everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very clever argumentation yeah. or, or... Whatever. Right.
2: Know. So, in that, um, you know, in that Carrie Halbert thing, one of the if was if you're a woman who's just been divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really ca- cast a wide net there, but mm-hmm. he made it appear as if it's only for a few select people. And that's a very effective gambit.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and when I look at that paragraph, okay, we've got. Catching infections, lower cholesterol, protect heart, get rid of aches, pains, and stiffness, present strokes, Alzheimer's, and cancer. What else is there that people are worried about? Yeah. I know there are thousands of diseases, but in terms of what is in the popular consciousness of these bottom line boardroom readers, that, that about covers it, doesn't
2: it? It covers most of the big use. It was deliberate, right? Well, the ones mm-hmm. that I put in the list were deliberate. Yeah. Now notice here, we talked about gradualization. Gradualization is a way to t- start off with something modest and build it up to something that would have been unbelievable had you started with that at the outset. Mm-hmm. So um, keep you from catching infections. You buy that, right? Sure. Use them to lower cholesterol. You buy that. You've heard that before. You can take stuff to lower cholesterol and protect your heart, right? Yeah. Use it to get rid of aches, pains, and stiffness. Well, you've heard that that's possible too. So you're believing that. And now I say they use them to prevent strokes, Alzheimer's, and cancer. Because Mm -hmm. if I said cure, now I've crossed the line. I've said something too unbelievable. Right? Yes. Now, we normally don't like to sell prevention. Right. Gary Halbert said people will empty out their bank account to cure a problem they have, but they won't pay a nickel to prevent some. Right. Yeah. But in this case, the word prevent was important because I'm not ready to tell them I can cure it. They're not ready to hear that yet. I have to lay some more groundwork and dazzle them with some stuff and prove things. And then I can go to bigger claims. So, yes, conventional, I'm on page two now, yes, conventional MDs across the country are taking these alternative remedies with great results, and all the while they're keeping it a secret from their colleagues and their patients, exclamation point. Again, the pill doctors take when no one's looking, right? I took that whole and I put it in here. In fact, now I'm proving it, right? Because you never make a claim without proving it. Right. Never make a claim without proving it. So... Um, they're taking these remedies with great results and keeping them secret for their colleagues and patients. And the very next set paragraph says, in fact, a recent poll found that more than 60% of doctors take nutritional supplements regularly, even though they don't recommend them to their patients. Wow. So I had to dig out that up that fact. It wasn't in any of the materials from the client. I had to go do research to find. I'm trying to make this point. Let me find some factual data to to back up my point and i found that study
1: i i want to stop you for a second and point out something you're demonstrating and i'm sure you're aware of you just didn't mention it about creative thinking and lateral thinking you know we we recently did uh on this podcast an episode about swiping and it's i think hard for people to grasp on time sometimes what the difference is between literally plagiarizing, stealing someone else's words and taking an idea and rephrasing it, which is totally legal and okay. right? And and when you, you just gave a great example of that, which I just want to point out to our listeners about yet conventional MDs across the country are taking these alternative remedies with great results all the while they're keeping it a secret from their colleagues and their patients. That is Swiping, and I'm putting this in quotes because it wasn't exactly you. You, but it is re-framing, re-representing, re. re I don't know what there's a word I'm looking for. I can't think of it. But it's it's redoing the pill doctors take when no one's looking.
2: Right. Took the idea, not the words. Yeah. Yeah. And if you take the words, you're plagiarizing, like you just said, right? Yeah. But if you take the idea, well, you can't copyright an idea. But see, it's not enough just to take the idea because the idea has already been done. So by the time you do it, you're a me too, right? Yep. So what you want to do is you want to take that idea and link it to another idea. And that's what I've done here. I link the doctors stay well while treating sick people to this idea. Yes. Now I've got something where the sum is, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts.
1: And and that goes back to what you're talking about, uh, pulling the ideas out of the ether, different ideas and combining them. Also yeah. another key right. creativity process. Right. Yeah.
2: So the ether is what's out there in the, I, know, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this word correctly, zeitgeist, zeitgeist, how do you pronounce that?
1: I say zeitgeist. You say zeitgeist. I say let's call the whole thing off.
2: That's right. You say tomato. I say tomato. So, uh, do you? By the way, do you say Caribbean or Caribbean?
1: I say Caribbean. I know. I, I don't know. Don't, now I'm not going to be able to sleep. I think. I think they say Caribbean.
2: So anyway. The, um, it's out in the zeitgeist. It's out in the ether. It's out in the popular culture. So there's going to be stuff like that. That's going to affect what you write about. And then there's going to be stuff you read somewhere like the direct mail p- piece that I got that said the pill doctors take when no one's looking right. Mm-hmm. Or the article in bottom line personal that said, you know, how doctors stay sick. Uh, well, when there's sickness all around, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just improved that a little bit by changing sickness all around to when treating sick people. Um, made it more uh what's the word more concrete i guess um and so you do that but then you're also reading stuff that has nothing to do with what you're doing so you don't just read other promotions for health newsletters and supplements you just read a wide variety of stuff Mm -hmm. um if uh, you know, you could find something in the National Enquirer. You can find something in Popular Mechanics Magazine. You can find something in the Wall Street Journal. And you just, it makes its way into copy. You write for other things. So um, they don't recommend them to their patients. Sadly, that's the way most doctors are. They'd rather keep these remedies from you than risk facing ridicule from their colleagues or sanctions from the medical board.
1: That's great for two reasons. One, it really is true. Yeah. Secondly, it rings true. Actually, there's a third reason, and that is it's going to piss people off that the doctors who are supposed to be healing me are holding this shit back from me, even though they're using it themselves. Some, they've got some nerve, right?
2: Yeah. Well, it, it could work both ways, actually. As you're saying that, I'm thinking, it, it may piss people off, which is a good thing, or it may make them say, well, I guess I understand why it's happening. You know, Some they, people would respond that way, too. But yeah. either way, you're in good shape because you said something, as you pointed out, Garf, that rings true and that is true. So now you've got them on board this idea that doctors are doing this. And then we segue into the first premium. That's why I'm eager to send you a special report we've put together called Healing Secrets Doctors Don't Tell You. In compiling this report, we interviewed over 100 forward-thinking doctors who weren't afraid to speak out, right? Mm -hmm. They revealed dozens of forbidden cures. Now, forbidden cures, that was the first ever control for a health newsletter that was Clayton Makepeace. He wrote a thing for health and healing, and his headline was Forbidden Cures. Um, they revealed dozens of forbidden cures that they use themselves to cure everything from high cholesterol to migraine headaches.
1: Okay, let, let me, let me <laughs> stop you here. And this is for everyone listening. I don't even know if you heard what you just said. He took the headline, Paris took the headline of a control and put it in the last sentence of the one, two, three, fourth paragraph of on page two. That's the level of intensity you need if you really want to win. Every every beat, every syllable, every sentence, every every little point of contact that the reader's mind is going to have with your copy. You're looking for something that's strong and proven. And uh, I'm 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 truly impressed by that. And. I'm really grateful that you're sharing that. that well, I mean, that's you. an insider secret. I've never heard no one. I promise no one's heard it unless they've talked to you about this before.
2: Thank you, Garf. And it's, yeah, what you said is true. You know, why use a weak word when you can use a strong word instead, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, you know, it, you, you have this data bank in your head of what's worked and hasn't worked in the past, and you use it to inform you going forward on whatever you do. It's true. So that's why the longer you've been in the game, you're just going to continue to get better, right? Um, you're yeah. Be, your knowledge is going to keep compounding itself. Um, the information this report contains is priceless, but with your permission, I, I got that from Gary Halbert. With your permission, I'd like to send you a copy absolutely free. Actually, if I were swiping Cal- Halbert, he had this verbal tick. He would say, I'd like to send it to you, and I'd like to send it to you absolutely free. <laughs> huh? huh? <laughs> you say that all the time in his copy. Um, so I just shortcut it. I'd like to send you a copy absolutely free. I'd also like to send you a free three-month subscription to Bottom Line Health Magazine. Please understand that both these gifts are totally free. There are no strings attached. There's no obligation to buy anything now or ever. I'll tell you how to get your free gifts in a moment. But first, let me share some of these amazing healing secrets with you. So open loop about what I'm going to tell you in a moment. But here's something I'd like to address. The difference between a hard offer and a soft offer, right? Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know the terminology, hard offer means you're asking them for money up front. They're going to give you their credit card or send you a check or something like that. Soft offer means it's a bill me offer. We'll send you and then we'll bill you later and you can pay us later if you like it. And if you don't like it, you just return it and you owe nothing. So soft offer is what most magazines do, right? Remember magazines, Garth?
1: I remember them. I used to yeah. subscribe to them. Yeah, yeah. I remember. yeah, so
2: you know the soft offer—you will send you a free issue of Psychology Today or whatever it is, and uh, if you like it, uh, we'll bill you, and you just pay the invoice. If you don't like it, right, mark cancel on it, send it back, and you owe nothing. And bottom line was one of the few newsletter publishers to go soft offer. Agora is hard offer. Gora, you got to pay up front. Yep. So is uh, my client Soundview Publishing. You know, we have Second Opinion newsletter, and you got to pay up front for that. Now, the reason Boardroom did, um, there's pros and cons to everything, right? The reason sure. Boardroom did soft offer is that they found that you get way more people to take you up on it, right? Yeah. The downside is it tends to attract a lower quality customer. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide, you have to weigh the pros and cons. Now, Boardroom had an added thing weapon in their arsenal in that they were really great data marketers and they did overlays where they could um, remove people who have a history of bad debt and stuff like that, like who don't okay. pay bills and whatnot. Yeah. So they, they weighed all the pros and cons and they decided that the soft offer is what's going to work best for them. And all their publications were soft off. They're books too. Rodale did the same thing. So, Rodale started. Yeah, go let, ahead.
1: Let's let's break this down to real world. So they send this out. Someone sends back the. Um, they they send this out. They spend all the money on the printing and the mailing and you. Yes. And um, then they get an order card back with no money. Then they send out these premiums. And then they're hoping, based on that, that someone's going to write them a check or give them a credit card number. That's right. Right.
2: Wow. And uh, so you've got to do all that. And then when, let's say, I go up against somebody and my copy outpoles their existing control by 28%, let's say, right? right? And they're like, okay, Paris won on the front end, but wait a minute, let's see if people actually pay up. Because maybe Paris overpromised promised in his copy. Maybe that's why he got 28%. And then when they get the product, they don't like it and they don't pay up. So we can't call a control to see who won the control until we see the pay-up wow. that's And that's... so with boardroom, bottom line, you would wait six freaking months to find out if you had the control or not.
1: And, and so, once you did, you would get royalties on the actual checks or... Credit cards.
2: You would get royalties, <laughs> but you know the 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 test panel wasn't that big. You know you well. You wouldn't get royalties like free till a year after you wrote this up.
1: Okay. So, but, but, but this one became a control, right?
2: Yes, it did. I mean it trounced the other one. And it, they mailed higher quantities than they'd ever been able to mail before for this product. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell what I could probably look up, you know, in my on my computer here. I, I still have the records from what it mailed, but I don't know how much I'm allowed to say what what they would want me to say and not say publicly. But suffice to say that this control paid my mortgage and utilities and car payments for seven years.
1: Okay. That that works. We, we understand that, you know, basic needs except for alcohol or these days, marijuana. I mean that's that correct. that's that's pretty good. Yeah. you
2: ever hear that uh, blues number that Frank Zappa did? The the, the the with no more credit from the liquor store. <laughs> no, but I can imagine
1: it even in yeah. even <laughs> I hear you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to the, what does this have to do with copywriting? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a soft offer. The rule of thumb is if it's a soft offer, you can say the offer upfront, which is what I did here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you look in million dollar mailings or any of those other books that there was one years ago called Dartnell Publishing's World Greatest Sales Letters, if you look at any of those compilations and you see promotions written from magazines by Bill Jamie or people like that, they mm-hmm. would always open with stuff like about the offer. There was like the famous piece that said, dear friend, if the list I found your name on. Is yeah, anything- the
1: Newsweek piece, 1965. Yep. What was it? It was Newsweek, 1965. Newsweek.
2: Okay, there you go. Then you'd be a perfect candidate for Newsweek. It's telling you up front that you're selling something. Or, um, you know, I'd like to make you a bribe. I'd like to send you whatever it is. It's leading with the offer. You can do that on a soft offer. You can lead with the offer. On a hard offer, you never do that. Because what do people do when they see a salesperson come? Run the other way. Exactly. So you don't want them to see you coming. Most of my hard offer stuff They don't even know there's something to for sale to like page five of the letter. Mm -hmm. I start with something engaging. I tell them really cool stuff they didn't know about. I bond with them. I get them jazz, and then I say, "Oh, by the way, we have something for sale." And then I start selling them on. Right. So that that was the dichotomy. It was like if it's a hard offer, you you open with benefits and something cool. If it's a soft offer, you open with the offer. But this is somewhat of a hybrid. See, Bill, Jamie, and, and all those people, they would do all these magazine things. And then people like Clayton Makepeace came along, and started writing for those. And they sort of incorporated the hard offer approach into the soft offer, and they were able to lift response for all these publishers, like Rodale. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we have here. I didn't open right with the offer. But I did say the offer relatively upfront.
1: Yeah, that's great. You know, I'd love to go on for five more hours, but we've, we're already at the one hour mark. And I, I think we're going to have to wrap soon. I, I so appreciate your generosity.
2: Well, you're very welcome. But the, the people can look at the rest of this. And basically, the formula is I'm revealing stuff, the cold and flu remedy that fights cancer. So what I've done on that one is I brought everything full circle. I started with colds. I ended with cancer. Now I combine the two of them into this article about a herb that boosts your immunity against both cancer and cold and flu. So I reveal that one. I reveal a second one, the unusual pain remedy that works faster than aspirin. Then the third one is a partial reveal with a tease. I'm on page um, four now. The unusual rem- pain remedy that works faster than aspirin and then goes into bullets. Yeah.
1: And, and I I also want to say, I have never, never seen cleaner, simpler, easier to understand bullets than yours ever, ever. Um, And I'm, I'm sort of a connoisseur of that stuff. You probably rewrite them a few times to just get them honed. Just right. I'm guessing.
2: My first draft is always crap. Okay. For 10 years, Every time I do a new promotion that that involved bullets, I'd write my bullets and I'd go, oh, my God, I've lost it. I can't write bullets anymore. I'm going <laughs> to gonna die in poverty. <laughs> and then you go through the second time and you start tweaking. them and going to go, OK, these aren't so bad. I, I, it's, the, it's the thing's going to bomb, but at least I'm not going to embarrass myself. <laughs> and then The third time around, you go, hey, these bullets are pretty good. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Take some time. Well, Paris, I can't thank you enough. This is, uh, Nathan. Um, what are you, you're showing up on my screen. What are your thoughts?
0: I'm going to say a couple of things. First of all, this has been one of the most powerful episodes that we've ever done. And I say we, as if I had part, anything to do with it, but yeah, I, do a lot. I had, uh, I had like 15 or 16 different times where I was just like, Holy crap. I never thought about that before. Just everything. This has just been a mind-blowing episode. One thing that I want to say, we will link the PDF in the show notes. So definitely make sure that you downloaded the PDF and go back and re-listen to this and, and follow along through the PDF. Because one thing that I really liked about this particular piece of sales copy is it doesn't look like a piece of sales copy. You mentioned that you don't even really get into the sales pitch until three or four pages into it. This is so cleverly disguised that unless you were a copywriter, you wouldn't even realize that this was a piece of sales copy. Um, Just overall, though, a fantastic episode, so many takeaways, and um, I almost feel guilty giving this away for free to the listeners, but that's what we got to do. Well, thank you, Nathan. That's very kind of you to say, and I'm glad you found value in it. Well, again, I want to say thank you. A fantastic episode. This is going to be one of those ones where I'm going to have to go back and listen to it two or three times just to try and absorb everything. So I know that this is probably going to be the case for the copywriters out there as well. Make sure you're heading over to copywriterspodcast.com to get your copywriting fix. And until next time, we'll catch you later.
1: See you later. And thanks again, Paris. Thank you. Bye. If you found this episode valuable, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. That way you'll never miss a show.